We've been in this series called Upon This Rock, talking about how Christ built the church, how he has a purpose for the church, and what what that purpose is, and how we should actually live as part or members of the body of Christ. Last week, we talked about our first missional statement for our church, which is loving all. If you missed that message, I encourage you to go online and listen to it. Um, not because I'm an amazing speaker, but because you will actually get something out of that message. Um, it was It's helpful for us to be reminded about God's intent and purpose for me, for me, for us. So loving all, what does that look like? We, we heard last week it's sacrificial, it's selfless, and it's always centered on service. That's exactly how Jesus loved, and so that's how he wants the church to love. Here we are this week. We're going to talk about our second missional phrase that appears on church letterhead and the vinyl banners outside and things like that, the letters on the wall. It is this impacting your world. So today I want to, the title of the message is how to impact your world. I think sometimes we think we struggle with this because some of us think far too highly of ourselves. I'm I'm not thinking that's you and you're guilty. It's me. We've all done that. Have you ever experienced that where you've thought a little too much of yourself? But there are people that struggle with this, the opposite, and they think far less of themselves. I've met them. They kind of dodge their eyes. They look down a little bit. They don't really engage. They don't think at all about themselves. And it's kind of hard to get them out of their shell. And there's people on different ends of that spectrum. But here's the problem that I see inside of our church and the church is I think we think too little of ourselves as it comes to our responsibility to impact our world. I think that sometimes we think, well, I mean, what's my $20 a month going to do to help that missionary? A lot. (laughs) Uh, What's my service in the body of Christ going to do to impact the kingdom? What's my volunteering in our community really going to have an impact for? And we think too little of what can actually make a huge impact in the world around us. But I want to tell you this, when we developed these statements that we live according to um, and espouse uh, several years ago um, as we came to the church and we were in the middle of a process of revitalization, we were talking, a, a group of us was talking about what the church should look like and what should it, what should be its motto, its go-to, its, you know, its focus. The first phrase that I shared last week, loving all, is an outward phrase. It's focused on outward as well as inward. It's loving one another, but also loving those in the world. It's the love of Jesus that draws people to the message of the cross. Amen? Um, so showing that. But then this week, as we talk about that second phrase, it is about impacting our world. And that also is an outward focused thing. For the entire world. It's not just, um, it's not just, here's, here's how I'll put this. It is not that I am telling you or that God's word tells you to impact the world. But he does put you in a world. 
your world. See, if, if we were told to impact the world, it'd be far too tall of an order. It'd be too much and too great for us to do. And we'd sit around twiddling our thumbs trying to figure out how could we ever do that? But when we acknowledge and realize what God's word is talking about when it says that we are to have an impact on those in our circle, then it makes it a whole lot more manageable. It's a lot more manageable and it's easier than you think actually. So we didn't craft the statement to impact the world because that's too hard. But impacting your world is actually within reach. So how can you impact your world? You say, well, pastor, we talk about this uh, infrequently and I, you know, I don't know what I should do to make an impact. Today, I'm going to be very practical and I'm going to help you. I want to define your world. If you're taking notes, write these down. Your world is your family. It's your long lost aunt as well. Like it's the family you don't always connect with. It's not just the one that lives in your household, but it's those that you're connected to by blood, by DNA. Your, your, your world includes your coworkers. It's those people that you work with that work alongside you. It's your friends. It's those who have, um, said, I'm in your corner. I'll, I'll go to bat for you. It's those that have sacrificed and proven their love for you. Those people are in your world. It's those people in your circle of influence that God actually wants you to have an impact on. So today, here's what I want you to do. The biggest mistake you could make in hearing a message like this is to immediately write it off by saying, but pastor... And then fill in the blank with any of your lame excuse. <laughs> that, that would be terrible. Um, because you could say, but I'm an introvert. I, uh, but I'm a this. But I'm broke. But I'm, I don't have time. But I don't have. You can use all of those excuses for some other thing. But today, I encourage you to just hear this and be challenged to actually make a greater impact, I should say. Than the impact you're already making. I was talking to a mother who's in the room, not my wife, a mother who's in the room whose child was with her the other day and they stopped by the church to get something. Uh, the little child that was with them immediately brought to mind a story uh, about mommy. And I, I remember thinking in that moment, I said out loud to her, it's so funny how they just like mirror our behavior and they're absorbing everything right? Little kids do that. They just kind of follow along. They see mommy or daddy do it this way. And that's how they start to learn to do it. And it just kind of goes on and on. Here's the thing. The world, your world is watching your life. Just like that little child is watching his mommy's life. And so in order to have an impact, it's actually easier than you think. It doesn't require you to go to school, to take a college course or anything like that. It involves us being willing and open to what God wants us to do in this life. Amen. So God's word demonstrates and declares that we as believers have a responsibility to do this. I want you, if you have your Bibles with you, go with me to Luke chapter 19 verse 10. I have today what I would consider popcorn verses um, throughout scripture um, that I'll reference, uh, not an entire passage 
but you can definitely find passages in the Gospels as well as in the book of Acts where a single individual's life impact made all the difference. And if we're honest and we're thinking about living a life that looks more like Jesus, he impacted his world that then impacted the world. And the men who followed him, listen to me, I know you're looking for Luke chapter 19. The men who followed him, they were his disciples, later called apostles. And in the book of Acts, this amazing phrase shows up and it says this, for these are the men who turned the world upside down. These are the people, the men and women, those who serve Jesus have the ability to impact, make an impact. Jesus says this of himself in chapter 19 of Luke, verse 10. For the Son of Man, talking about himself, came to seek and save the lost. He came to do that job. But listen to me, church. It's not just his job. Don't. Don't think that it's just my job. It's not Mike's job upstairs with the kids. It's not just Eric or Amy on the worship team today. It's not just their job because they're in a position of authority. This is everybody who loves Jesus and has been changed by him should be in some way, form or fashion, seeking to save the lost this means we'll be open to having conversations with coworkers. It'll mean that we're open to ridicule. I'll, I'll say this also. It'll be, it'll mean that we're open to fail. I don't think that really sunk in. I think the majority of us never open up our mouth about what Jesus has done and had an impact in our life because we're scared they're not going to say, okay, great, can I pray with you today to receive Jesus as my Savior? And so we're locked up in fear because we don't want to fail and we sure want it to go in the right direction, but then what ends up happening is we never even give it a shot. Now, if this message doesn't apply to you, you better be a enemy real loud today to help all the rest of us because we all need to work on this. Can I get an amen? amen? We all need to work on this. We're told this in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5. Paul's writing to Timothy, who's leading a church. And you say, well, you know, he's pastoring that church. This message is just for him. No, it talks about holiness in that book. It talks about all sorts of other things in First and Second Timothy. But I pulled apart this one phrase that I think is so awesome. And I've had this on my heart for a very long time in ministry. And it is that phrase in the middle of the screen, do the work. Of an evangelist. Again. Your excuses are immaterial. To the command of Jesus. And this applies. I mean it really does apply to our Christian faith. In all sorts of ways. In every area of our life. If we waited till we were ready. And we were good enough. You'd never do it. I remember considering that. In the days before we got engaged. And thinking, man, I'd really like to own a house. I'd really like to have stability in this area. I'd really like to have $15,000 in the bank. I'd really like to, you know, whatever kind of idea you had before you made the leap. But at some point, you just got to do it. 
And then part of life is figuring it out together. And many of those days and seasons have been beautiful. Some have been really ugly and hard. But it's been amazing and worth every bit of taking that leap of faith. So do the work of an evangelist. Paul writes this to Timothy, making sure that he understands, listen, you've got a job to do, and that is to share the love, the light, the hope, the joy, the the truth of Jesus with those around you. Fulfill your ministry. I've got two points today because we're not Baptist. I don't have three points. It's a joke. Thank you for laughing. We should have a laugh uh, track that you guys can play in the back whenever I want. Or I have a little buzzer and just hit it. Okay, I'll move on. All right, we got two points today. First one is this. Impact your world by sharing your testimony. Um, I could go a lot of places with this. How many of you have ever, let me ask you this though. How many of you have ever bought something based on somebody else's word for it? You better raise your hand. You watched a review You heard somebody tell you, you got to check out this restaurant. I've been there two or three times. It's really good. You went and you risked it in order because it was based on the testimony that somebody gave you, that somebody shared with you what it made a difference in their life. I don't know if you realize this, but there are social media, what they call influencers. Some of us who are older may not be familiar with this. So let me just edumacate you for a minute. Uh, these social media influencers have over a million followers. That's what you need to qualify. And then they have their phone or somebody taking a video of them opening up a package from this company of this brand new lipstick, brand new deodorant, brand new bag, flavor of chips, whatever it is. And then just like that, the whole thing sells out. People are like, well, so-and-so just had that product, and so I've got to get it. In fact, my two girls have a Christmas present that they received this year because I saw a TikTok video. It was of that little weird astronaut. Has anybody seen that with the light in the room? I immediately was like, that looks so cool. $9.99, take my money. And they like them. I mean, they have them on their, in their rooms. It's pretty cool. If you don't know what it's like, I'll show you the video later. It's awesome. Uh, I kind of want one in my room. Uh, but it shows like the nebula and the stars and all this kind of stuff. Anyway, the normal price was huge, but it was on discount or so they said. So I was like, yeah, I got to get those. I based it on somebody else. I don't even know this person. I don't trust this person. I wouldn't let them cook me dinner at their house. I don't know them from Adam, as they say. But when I saw some of it, I immediately said, I need that. I got to get it. So nine ninety nine. I was like, no. Can't, can't hurt. So they leverage their popularity for these products and for these things in order for people to buy them. But really, it's an age-old concept. I was listening to an older gentleman <clears throat> yesterday at our men's breakfast who remembers a time where there were door-to-door salesmen. Does anybody know what that was like? I only remember seeing one or two as a kid in our neighborhood. And then after that, like it was, a, a, they just disappeared. They would sell vacuum cleaners. What else would they sell? Encyclopedias? Okay. Like you had libraries back then, right? I mean, you could go look at the encyclopedia. What else did they sell? Makeup. Makeup? Okay. What kind of brush? Like floor brush. What's that? Oh, gotcha. I was like a floor brush. Is that the predecessor to the vacuum cleaner? Okay. I, 
I'm sorry, I got it. Okay, so makeup, products, all of these kinds of things, door to door. And in today, you go into Sam's Club, and there's somebody standing there in a Sam's uniform, and they're chopping up the little candy, putting it in the little tiny cups. If you go there on Saturday at like 9 a.m., you can make your rounds. And if you just change your hat, flip your jacket inside out like I do, you can walk back around and get all the samples again. You can get all the samples again. Here's the deal. Testimonials still work. Well, pastor, I don't have that great of a testimony. Yes, you do. If you've been saved and rescued from the clutches of hell and from sin and damnation, you've got a testimony. I grew up as a pastor's kid. I'll share my testimony briefly in just a minute just to give you a picture of how easy it is. But the idea of me not having a worthy testimony bothered me for a little while. I thought, well, I never did hard drugs like those guys with the tattoos on their face. You know, like, oh, nobody's going to listen to me. Want to live for Jesus? Come wear my polo shirt and my tucked in khakis. You know, I didn't know. I, I didn't know. I thought it had to be better and, and worse. You have a testimony. And I, I want to encourage you to share it. And by doing so, that's the first step to impact your world. So why does it work? It works, the testimonials work, because you see evidence of it. I actually was recorded as a kid um, for a popular program back in those days, late 80s. It came out um, called Hooked on Phonics. Anybody remember that? My parents uh, got invited to, uh, we had done the program in our house or whatever, and uh, my parents got invited, me and my brother, and we got to go to the airport to like one of those cool like specialty lounges. There's a TV camera crew set up there, and then they were going to ask you questions and interview like what the difference of this program made. I'll never forget. It's locked in my, my head as a core memory. And it didn't happen when I was 12. I was a little younger. Because I always say every story starts when I was at 12. But um, testimonials make the difference. Let me help you see the point in a spiritual light today. Because testimonials are a great sales technique. It works for our faith in God as well. I don't want you to judge the content of the message today based on the fact that you hear me comparing sharing the gospel with salesmanship. But if the shoe fits... You say, well, I don't like sales. I don't either. I hate retail. I I don't like working it. I didn't like the stress and the pressure of the numbers and you got to hit this and hit these targets and all those things. I didn't like that. I didn't like selling a product I didn't believe in. I had a hard time. I had a hard time making excuses for why I couldn't sell it because I really thought it was just a bunch of hogwash and garbage and wasn't worth the money people were going to buy or pay for it. So we're supposed to be salesmen or saleswomen of our faith. In some regard, we're to model our faith to others and share it. Amen? It's life-changing. It's transformative. Even for the religious pastor's kid. For the drug addict. For the serial killer. For the stay-at-home mom. For everyone in between on that whole entire spectrum. God has the ability and wants access to change your life to make you into who he created you to be, which is a follower of him. So here's what your testimony should consist of. It should include these three three things, three categories. 
Your testimony should include BC. What do I mean when I say that? Before Christ. It should include before Christ. Listen to me. I can share, if I had a water cooler at a secular job, I could share my testimony in the time that it takes me and my coworker to get water at the water fountain and to check in. We talk about sports or anything else. I can actually weave my testimony in in 30 seconds if I had to. And I don't have to be weird about it either. Okay, But I need to be brief. I need to share relevant details. Here's a brief statement. Um, these are not all true of me, but these are examples, okay? I was addicted. I was broken. I was depressed. Fill in the blank with a descriptor that fits who you were before Christ. I was lonely. I was hopeless. I went from relationship to relationship. I searched for answers in other religions, and I looked at all of them, and I came to this one conclusion. What an awesome, very small summary statement of what your life was like before Christ. So then you move from there to how. How did it happen? Was it at summer camp? Did you hear a message? Did you wake up one day and just decide to go to church? Did your grandmother's voice echo in your ear from her dragging you to Sunday school as a little kid? Like, whatever the detail is, talk about how you came to faith. And I heard this message of the good news, and that's what made me consider Christ, what he did for me. Identify the steps of what got you to the point of trusting Jesus. Uh, My parents, when they shared their testimony, my dad wakes up, they had been doing drugs, um, Selling drugs, dealing drugs, growing drugs, um, all of the things, running drugs through the Everglades to South and Central America. They were involved in, I guess you could call it high crimes and misdemeanors. You know, like a lot of bad stuff they were doing. My dad woke up on a Sunday morning, and it was like 9 in the morning, and he woke up and he just looked at my mom and said, You want to go to church today? And her question to him was, Are you already high? Like, where did this come from? Did you already smoke up this morning? He said, no, I just, I've just been thinking. I think, I think we should go to church and just check it out. They walked into a little beat up facility in the middle of nowhere, Florida, in a little farming village and heard a message of truth and a message of hope. And that day got radically saved. It's amazing. When you find out some of the details of how something happened. That's, that's a real awesome draw. And then AD, it should include what's your life like now? Because of Jesus, I'm free. Because of Jesus, I don't question where I'll end up in eternity. Because of Jesus, I'm whole again. Because of Jesus, instead of being lonely, I found community. Right? You fill in the blank and you say, this is what life is like now. Instead of being filled with anger, despair, rejection, now I have the opposite of that. And you fill in the blank. It's easy to do this. So let me demonstrate today. It's a practical, like, crash course on how to speak and share your testimony. I'd encourage you to actually, and we've done this before as a church, is take time and write down your testimony. Try to get the details very like concise so that you can share it pretty quickly. And you've got that one or two key points that you can go to. Here's my testimony. My parents had been on drugs 
addicts and dealers gave their hearts and lives to God just before I was born. They felt a call to become pastors. They had a desire to jump into church ministry. So my dad went to Bible college. They're the first people in either of their family's history to serve God in ministry. But they're one of a lot who did, sold, dealt, and grew drugs. God transformed their life. And I raised, I was raised in that environment as a pastor's kid doing the right thing, having old ladies yell at me, don't run in the church. Uh, that kind of stuff still has emotional wounding, you know, for me. But I was in this religious environment as a pastor's kid learning how to do everything right and not do anything wrong. So I learned how to play the part pretty well. But then one year at summer camp, I heard a powerful message. And I believe the phrasing that the evangelist used at camp was, God has no grandchildren. And he started to explain that in the way that I've explained it before. That I couldn't get in on the coattails of my parents, on their on their good faith, or on my good deeds. I had to own my faith and make a decision for myself. So I made that decision to own my faith and summer camp that year changed my life. In fact, every year camp changed my life in some way, shape or form. By the way, we go to camp every year here and we have teen camp and um, kids camp. Wouldn't it be fun to have adult camp? <laughs> adult camp with no kids? Yes, Lord Jesus, thank you for that visionary statement, Lord. Let us build a camp for adults. It'd be awesome. Just hang out, play games, horseshoe in the yard, go to the lake, not worry about kids. It'd be awesome, Gary. Okay, so I was a pastor's kid. I, I learned how to, you know, do the, the right thing at the right time and all that stuff. But then God changed me because of that message. It transformed my mind and then I embraced faith for myself. Haven't always been perfect since then, but I sure have seen God transform my life because I now had a personal relationship with Jesus instead of just a religious set of rules. And that makes a world of difference. God's love, his grace, and his forgiveness totally transformed me. And I'm thankful that he set me free and gave me the Holy Spirit who lives inside of me to help guide me and direct me, to keep me, to comfort me. God is powerful and he's He's powerful enough to have created the world we live in, but also to create me. And then he, according to his word, says he has all the days of my life before him. He knows every detail of my life, even the hair some left on my head. He knows all the details. So if he knows all the details of my life, I can trust him with all the stuff that I'm going through today. And when, when all, excuse the phrase, when all chaos breaks loose in my life tomorrow, I can still trust him. He's proven himself. He's got a track record and I've seen him time and time again be faithful. That took me a minute and a half, maybe two minutes. That's an example of what your testimony can be. 
Maybe you are the person who, who was a hardened criminal um, on drugs and things like that. We don't let those kinds of people serve in our children's ministry. But by all means, we want you in our church. Uh, if you want to talk about serving in some area, we'd love for that to happen. But the idea is this. Avoid using hard-to-understand phrases. The world doesn't know what repentance is. By God, some of us in the church sometimes have to be reminded. It means to turn around. So I'm not going to stand there and talk to a coworker or someone in my circle of influence and be like, so this is the day I repented of all of my transgressions. Jesus redeemed me, reconciled me. And hello, did you fall asleep yet? That's what they're doing if we're using strange phrasing like that. So use easy to work, easy to understand words or phrases and explain them simply. If you find yourself saying the word repentance, tell them what it means. We want people to understand our faith is accessible. Are you getting that this morning? Are you getting that this morning? No one knows what the gospel means. I asked our next-gen students this morning. I had the pleasure of cooking pancakes and hanging out with teenagers this morning before church. And um, I asked the question. We're talking about the Bible. And I asked, what is the gospel? And it was, you know, it's early in the morning. They haven't had their caffeine yet. And they were struggling. They finally, somebody got the answer. Good news. But the world doesn't know that. You got to tell them it's God's message for Humanity, his love for humanity, the message of his redemption for us. Here's the thing that you've got to do with your testimony. There are five or six things that I'm going to tell you in order. Write this down. Always look for an opportunity. I'll repeat it because I was lax in my slide preparations today and it's not Miss Christine's fault. I didn't have all the slides to her. So number one, always look for an opportunity. That's what an evangelist does. Always look for an opportunity. The second thing to do is share your testimony. Just step out and say it. I was this. God changed my life. And now I'm this. I'm not perfect. Don't give them that idea that you're perfect and that everything's, that you're pushing up roses and everything's great and wonderful. And you haven't had a day of trouble in your life since you came to Christ. Don't tell, don't sell them that lie. You'll be like the vacuum cleaner salesman who stood on a porch and sold me a broken vacuum. I don't want that. Do you, are you hearing me today? And the world doesn't want that for themselves. They want something substantive. The third thing after you share your testimony is close the deal. This is salesman terminology, but close the deal. You don't have to be pushy. In order to seal the deal or close the deal. You can be kind. You could say something as easy as this. And I've heard people do that. I've practiced it myself. You may not be ready today. To make this decision. But when you are. I'm here for you. Would you like to make that decision today? Would you like to embrace. The God of the universe. Who says that he loves you. Would you like to go And have a relationship with him. If you would I'd love to pray for you. If I hit failure. And I have. If I hit in a place of failing. uh, 
because they choose not to. Maybe I said something that shouldn't have been said or the way I think maybe my process is bad or whatever. For whatever reason, they haven't said yes. I can't turn away and say, I'm never doing that again. I know somebody in here who evangelizes people. Let me ask you a question, my buddy Gary. You ever been turned down when you asked somebody if they wanted to follow Jesus? <laughs> yes, without a doubt. But he's crazy enough to keep on doing it. We should all be crazy enough to keep on doing it. So close the deal. And if the deal doesn't close, you leave the door open. That's number four. Leave the door open. Think about it in terms of sales. If you don't close the deal that day, and Christine, you're a real estate agent. We've got other people in the, the room that are involved in different areas of sales and salesmanship, if you will. Listen, if Christine doesn't seal the deal that day, I can promise you she has given her business card. She has connected with them and told them, hey, I'll reach out to you next week to see if you... Like she will make and take some additional steps. That's what makes her successful If you don't close the deal that day, you better offer a connection for the future. Notice I didn't say anywhere in this list, invite them to church and make pastor do his job. We pay him for that. That's not on this list that I'm sharing today. So leave the door open. How do you do that in a kind way? Just like I said a moment ago, not sure if you're ready or It seems as though you say that you're not ready. So you probably have some other questions. I'd love to grab coffee with you. We could talk. I I could research the answers. I might not have all the perfect answers, but I'd love to answer whatever questions you have. Allowing that connection to remain is very, very important by leaving the door open. The next thing, fifth thing that you've got to do regarding your testimony is pray for the person. Don't walk away from that and forget their name. Add them to a prayer list and pray that God sends other people their way. And then when they commit, don't leave them hanging. You've got to disciple them. In fact, if you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read any of those stories, those people were disciples, those men were disciples of Jesus. They lived with him, followed him, obeyed him, did what he asked them to do, and then they were told to go and make disciples. We can't just pray and then chalk it up on the board and be like, yep, got another one for Jesus, I'm leaving We really need to actually connect with them later and say, hey, how you doing? Did you find a church home yet? Hey, how's your grandma? You mentioned your grandma in conversation or whatever the case may be. Follow through. Amen. Uh, There are a couple of people in this uh, body that would call themselves fishermen. Won't point them out today. They might talk about their skill level not being up to par. Some of us have had experience fishing. How many of you have ever fished and within the first 30 seconds you didn't catch something? Can I see all of your hands? Okay. If you've ever held the fishing pole, you know what I'm talking about. Here's the thing. We're waiting for a guaranteed hit before we drop our line in. And this is just not the way it goes. In fact, for me to use the fishing analogy, and I don't really enjoy freshwater fish as much as I love to deep sea fish. I love, love, love to do that. It's awesome. The fish are big, powerful. It's exhilarating. It's awesome. You can stick with your bass, trout, brim, whatever. That is my scene is out there. 
Here's what I'm saying. Jesus uses this very example when he calls his very first disciples. And he says, why don't you leave your nets where they are? Come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They don't always bite. But when they do, you and I become fishers of men, fishers of people. So I want to encourage you to be the person who shares your testimony. I gave you super practical advice today. You need to get a testimony together, like know what you want to say, and then practice it. You say, well, pastor, that sounds dumb. Well, it might sound dumb, but it sure helps. (laughs) Number two, told you I only had two points. Impact your world by serving in the community. This is another way that our church as a body, individually, but yes, together as a body, can impact the world. It's by serving. Volunteering offers vital help to people who are in need, um, to important causes and that kind of thing. But it also has a benefit for you. The cool thing, listen to me, church. The cool thing is serving is reciprocal. I'm not baiting the hook for you, as it were, so that you get a blessing out of serving. But I am here to tell you that surprisingly, when you serve someone else and something else outside of yourself, there's always blessing that blows back on you as a result of that. Engaging with your community in some capacity. Um, Serving not only blesses those who you serve, but it blesses you. Um, It will bless your kids. I think about things uh, regarding children and, uh, you know, teens. My kids are grown up too fast, too fast for my own comfort. And um, I think about things that impact their life. And there are different ways that, um, that we can help this next generation by serving and showing them how to serve. I shared this with the men yesterday in the men's breakfast. Um, the church needs men. So, Pastor, that sounds sexist, like we have enough women. No, that's not what I'm saying. If I was in a women's meeting, I said, the church needs women, women of faith, to stand strong. Listen, the church needs men. Why? Because we have entire generations, plural, that are going to lose sight of who God is, that he exists, that there is hope for them, because they don't have a model anywhere in their life. So serving can make an impact. Doesn't have to impact the world, just your world. So community events. Um, we as a church uh, were known for years to serve at the 4th of July and then COVID hit and, you know, things changed. Uh, we want to do more of those things together as a whole, but we've got other ministry opportunities. We've got ministries in metro uh, area of Jackson. We've got the Ronald McDonald House that we support through the Varners uh, that are here with us. They cook breakfast and they share the love of Jesus with those people who are there. You can volunteer at your kid's school, the library, the Rotary Club, and the animal shelter. You say, well, what does being at an animal shelter, how does that serve the purpose of building the kingdom of God? You never know who you're going to meet. You never know who you're going to work with. So serve. Youth organization, 
sports, after school programs, all of those things. Here's the thing. Ask yourself this. What are you interested in? What do you enjoy? And what do you hate? That's how you know what to do. (laughs) I always laugh in starting point and I get this sort of response from time to time. I always laugh in starting point because I ask this question of, hey, we'll help get you connected to some place to serve and blah, blah, blah. And I'll use an example. I'll be like, so, yeah, if you play the guitar, you know, we'd love to have you talk to our worship leader. And they're like, oh, no, I can't carry a tune in a bucket, you know, or whatever the example might be. And so I say to them, good, (laughs) then don't ever touch a microphone. But join the church. But if you're not good at it or you hate it, don't do it. By God, don't do it. Because it's not going to benefit anyone else. Benjamin Franklin was an interesting man. He's a, um, a founding father of our nation, of our great nation. He's one of the drafters of the Declaration of Independence. Happens to be one of the signers as well. Uh, he became a well-respected leader across all political parties. And uh, he turned out to be a publisher, an author, an inventor. He was a scientist, philanthropist. He was even a volunteer firefighter. Did anybody know that? He was a volunteer firefighter for much of his adulthood as a result of one bad experience that kicked off this idea in his head. And then he said, yeah, we need to do this. Let's do it. Let's organize. So the story is told, and you can look up details online. The city of Boston, which is his hometown, had major fires disrupt it because a ship caught on fire and then the wharf and then buildings burned along the port in the year 1730. By the year 1733, Ben Franklin was already a resident in Philadelphia. That was his adoptive hometown. And he hears news, you know, of course, when it happens through the news agencies and papers that the fires happened in Boston. And he was like, man, we've got to prevent something like that from happening in our city in Philadelphia. And so by the year 1736, he had managed to get sponsored and get some people the momentum. He got a buddy to co-found what's called the Union Fire Company. And it didn't just have an impact on their city. It had an impact on the world, changed and shaped the nature of fire prevention around the world, all because he wanted to see something change in his own town. Using the very same model that he started with, which is volunteerism, volunteers now make up more than 70% of the firefighters in the United States of America are volunteers Because of that guy. Pretty cool when you think about the impact that was made and has been made for many generations. All because of this one thing that kind of got him thinking, hey, we should do something about this. And he did. And we are still doing something about that even today. I encourage you to make time this week. Pray for God to give you opportunities to share your faith with those who are in your circle. Pray that God helps you as you develop your testimony. Pray that he, um, that he guides you in your conversation. And commit to serve. This is not me browbeating. 
This is me telling you, God has a design for his family and his family is to be active. So serve in the church, serve in the community, make an impact in some way. And don't think too less of yourself. If you're serving in the church already, you're making a much larger impact than you will ever realize this side of eternity. You might be here today and you say, well, pastor, this sounds great, uh, but I'm actually not a believer and I haven't made the decision to allow Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Maybe I did a long time ago, but I'm not living in that way and I feel his conviction or his drawing in my heart and I'd like to make that decision. We have prayer team members that are stepping out right now to each corner of the room and they want to pray with you today. If you're here and you've got a need for prayer for anything, uh, we want to pray for you. If it's something to do with the message, great. If it's something just going on in your life, we'd love to be able to pray for God to give you wisdom, strength, guidance, whatever it is, healing that you need. So these prayer team members are available for you. But if that's you and you're here today and you say, I want to start today following Jesus, anyone here want to do that, just raise your hand wherever you are. I'd love to pray with you. We're not going to make a big scene or embarrass you or anything crazy, but boldly just lift your hand and say, yes, that's me. I want to do it. If that's you. Lord, I thank you for the believers that are in this room today. I pray, Lord, that you would help our church to do the work of an evangelist. Lord, that we would obey and follow Luke chapter 19, verse 10, that says that you came to seek and save the lost. Lord, help us this week as we attempt to do that very thing. And Lord, help us to impact our world for you. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, go ahead and step out.